This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Renegade Port. I'm Jonathan. And uh, Ramon is present. And dear listeners, I haven't seen Jonathan in about a month. And I have to say, I really did not miss him. At all. It nothing. To be said. You feel nothing. No, nothing. I forgot that you existed. But anyway, how are you, Wit? <laughs> I am perfectly well, thank you. And uh, perfectly okay with uh, you not missing me. Oh, perfect. I thought you were going to say perfectly okay with uh, living in South Africa because... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't think that's the case at the moment. Everything's up in the air and up to shit. No, I've written South Africa off. It's fucked. Already? Yeah. No, I, I did a, I did last year already. I, I think I said on one of our podcasts that uh, I didn't think this place was salvageable. I don't. Um, I do think you'll be able to survive here. That's a, that's a different argument. Yeah. But uh, salvageable, nah, done. So I listened to a podcast by Alec Hogg. Uh, from Biz News, I think. It's called The Rational Perspective. It's quite interesting. So he had a chap called Yucky Siliers on, who is the CEO of the Institute of Security Studies. Yeah. And his argument about expropriation without compensation was that Cyril is trying to reform and modernize the ANC to become a, a, a 21st century sort of social democratic party as opposed to the rural traditionalist party that it has been for the past 100 years. And he's using EWC to give poor black people property rights. And the big fight will actually be between the traditional leaders and the ANC. And, I mean, what do you think about that just off the top of your head? Uh, I think it's a novel premise, but it has, there's a whole bunch of other problems related to it. Right. But I think it's bullshit. If it was, if it was just EWC, I'll be like, okay, maybe there's a point to it, but it's NHI, it's the new BE code, it's the mining charter, it's the shit economy, it's the rotation of the shitty cabinet members, it's the fucking blatant thieving every single day. Mm. I don't see like a grand strategy well, chess move here. The notion that, that, um, so Ramaphosa wants to empower poor people. Where, where, where's the data for that? Where's any uh, impetus for that? Uh, you're arguing one policy that will not empower poor people. That's the other thing is that there's no economic argument to be made there either. Because Which policy? EWC is uh, not going to empower – it's not actually going to empower poor people. Well, I mean if you give people in traditional areas – Proper land rights and title deeds unencumbered title to the land. That's very empowering. Sure. But if you, know, if, you do that, if you do that through EWC, you've made title deeds worthless. Well, no, you expropriated from traditional leaders. You expropriated from the trusts, the Ngonyama trusts. The, the problem, the problem is, is, is that at, as it currently stands, the Ngonyama trusts are the owners of that land. If you think that that land was taken illegally in some way, stolen or, or, or unfairly removed from individuals, that's fine. There's a restitution process. It's already in the constitution. Limited, but it's state land. And we should, yeah. So what I'm saying is, is that you don't get to win the argument by, of, of, oh, poor people get, uh, title deeds when, uh, you know, chiefs currently own those title deeds. 
uh, and that's going to be a good thing, but won't affect anyone else in the country and won't affect the value of title deeds. If they come and take my title deed on my house, well, from the bank, but but if they come and take that title deed, it will affect the economy as negatively as it will affect them taking the title deed away from the chief. So it, sure. it may be ju- you. The, the, the argument there is whether it's just or not to take it. Um, but I, I still think the bottom line is the economic value of trust in property rights and trust in the economy, and both of those will vanish, whichever whichever one of the two you take away. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some merit to the case that uh, if you take away the pro- – I mean, the Ingonyama Trust is owned by the, the, the king and the minister of housing and some other state entity or some sort. Mm. If you take away their complete power and you give everyone – Deeds to the property they're actually living on. Um, is it expropriation? You're expropriating from the state itself. It's, a re- it's essentially state-owned land at the end of the day, if you think about it. So, but then why do you need an EWC bill? That's the key. Why do we need that? So why, why change the constitution? If if, 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 it's, if it's state land, if, I, yeah, exactly. I would, some, I, I would assume that <laughs> at a point when the state turns around to the chief and goes, "Hey, listen, we're giving away the land." I assume as the second party, as owner of that land, the chief goes, no, you're not. It's my land. But that's why AFRI Forum, uh, the traditional leaders, Khadfal Cape Townian, and maybe Orania should like have a loose affiliation together. Form a coalition for property rights. How cool would that be? Against the state. Sure. I I mean, I I think next year's elections are the most interesting thing I'm going to find about next year's elections. uh, Not the most exciting thing. The most exciting thing is going to see Musi Maimani cry. But um, kind of like Sergio Ramos at the World Cup when Spain loses. Um, Yeah, but Sergio has talent. That is true. That is true. But he's a dick. Um, But but other than seeing Musi Maimani cry as an exciting point of next year's elections – the the interesting point is going to be Cope's gain in vote, which is, I think, going to be directly as a result of where they stand on land. I am seriously considering voting for them, yeah. um, and I don't think <laughs> they uh, fall where I would like them to on many issues. Well, I don't know any other issues um, that Cope has. Um, all I know is their land stuff because that's what they've been doing lately. Well, lately, uh, in the past, they've they've been involved in in other smaller issues, and they've um, they've usually backed the opposition wherever the opposition's gone. But they are a splinter group essentially of the ANC, sure. so they have many of the same policies. Well, they're the Black Consciousness splinter group. I remember ANC's SAC, ANC and the SACP have this unholy communist communion. From the fifties, Monsieur mm-hmm. uh, Lakota was Black Consciousness who who went into the ANC. This is Hotep. Yeah, so he's like the Hotep version <laughs> of the ANC, and that's why he left, I suspect. Um, but I mean, yeah, if nothing else comes up, yeah, Cope might be a, a good reason. But perhaps yeah. something else comes up. Who knows? I just I just think it'll be an interesting barometer of of backing one issue that I think a lot of people are actually quite. Um, against and realize the damage it could do the wholesale damage so there's a whole bunch of stuff that government has done has in front of it that it wants to do and expropriation without compensation and i would argue nhi are the two things that will destroy the country 
um, imminently. Like, so when I said this country's written off, yeah, it's written off, but it could take 20 or 30 years to get there. Yeah, but um, we, must, we must remember how bad the ANC is at implementing anything. So, I mean, you can have these, like, okay, they'd be very good at implementing BEE, for example, because Wipenogli Capital co-opted the ANC right mm-hmm. at the beginning to implement BEE codes. Um, if you, capital. Large organizations. Momentum was like 100% white when it started. Don't fucking come here with your nonsense. Yeah, and Cyril and Tokyo and all their mates yeah, were, were, were also happy with the policy. And they were co-opted into it. They were the beneficiaries of the, of the policy. So it will be very interesting to see for EWC and NHI if corporations are co-opted and play along. Uh, I see... I think for NHI discoveries, like sort of playing along at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so apparently they, they, they're going to help the state to do various things for the NHI. Um, I'll be very happy if discovery just is, you know, the whole public health service is outsourced to discovery. I think it would be a lot better anyway. If that's NHI, I support it. But I don't <laughs> think that is NHI. No, it's not NHI. Look, the, just the pushback on the WMC thing before we get into NHI, which is a quite a lengthy discussion. But, the, my problem with WMC is it's a it's 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 a with using the term is that it's a Gupta term it, it, and it's it's it was raised it was created entirely to cause division and it has no meaning other than to uh, cause effectively hatred. So if it's being used as a parody or satire, as you often use it, um, I don't have a problem with it. But, but as a serious term. Yeah, um, I, I I think it's a lot of horseshit. But fucking um, white monopoly capital hours, Jonathan. Every morning, half past four, you must tweet it. <laughs> then you're part of the gang. So of course it's a parody. So, but yes, yeah. Look, um, with regards to Discovery's involvement, the the rumor, and uh, it's not uh, not uh, sort of stamped out yet. But it's uh, the rumor is is that Discovery would essentially manage the entire NHI. In the same way they manage their medical scheme, so um, if you, you, you everyone in the country becomes a member of a national health, uh, so you if you have a medical aid, well you wouldn't anymore, or you you might have it over and above, but you would ha- your medical aid would now be called national health. Uh, you'd have a little card probably, uh, and when you phoned to find out which hospital you can go to, because that's part of the program. Um, you'd phone a call center. That call center would be run by Discovery. You'd be on a database. That database would be ostensibly run by Discovery. Right. So it's sort um, of like the NHS in a way. Mm. Sort of same model. Sure. And then when you wanted to get an authorization to have your operation at whichever hospital they told you you had to go to and whichever doctors they told you you had to use. Yeah, three years after the fact. Yes. yes um, that all would be managed by Discovery. Right. Uh, this is a coup for them, if, if, if true, uh, because... They go from having two and a half million, roughly, members on their current medical scheme yeah, to like fifty to fifty-five million, and they charge an administration fee for that. And as a as a company, that's a very clever move. Um, fifty-five million people admin fee or two and a half million—it's a no-brainer. You take the fifty-five million. Um, that said, uh, bigger on the NHI is that the NHI is a catastrophic. Um, Design for for this country, but the problem is we just don't know yet. Not because it hasn't been implemented properly. That's not a socialism argument. But the the, the bills and the papers are so vague on it. So mm. uh, perhaps what I'm trying to see is is discovering other health insurance 
whatever hospital groups coming in and saying, Oh, let's help you. And they will dilute it as much as possible or take on the responsibilities for profit. I'm not going to deny them that, but take on the responsibility to actually make it work in a way that is better than the current health system and that will not destroy healthcare in the future. Can that be a possibility? So I don't think it can. And I think, uh, the entire system goes against liberty. It is, uh, it's going to enforce slavery in the medical profession. Um, well, it's been there already. Which is which has been there already, but uh, hasn't been there in the private sector. Um, it's going to tell doctors what they will, and all healthcare providers, physiotherapists, nurses, etc., um, what they will and won't charge for certain procedures, um, where they can and can't do those procedures, um, and basically, it's it's going to destroy the medical field in that in that sense. Yeah. And um, the other thing is, is that the idea that it can it, it can't be implemented so we discussed a little bit before the show uh, the, the 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 thought that well it's kind of like e-tolls you mentioned that um yeah you can put e-tolls in they don't work nobody pays them good for you that's great um so will it work like that or will it work more like something like be where they've co-opted large organizations and i think it'll work more like be and the reason is is because the hospital groups will play along yeah that's what i'm worried um, about because so, business we 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 defend them to the hilt for some reason but they are not very brave when it comes no, they're to not, fighting or they're not, for the rights of of themselves and the people they're not brave at them. all they're not brave at all and and look i i said um 2008 i think it was when this all came about um that what I really think happened with Aaron Motuoledi is he sat down with his advisors when he was first appointed health minister, and he said, "What do I need to fix health?" And you know, anyone sort of half informed would have said, "Look, you really need about three hundred to four hundred extra hospitals countrywide, um, and then on top of that, you're going to need between five and ten thousand new specialists." And he would have that said, much. "And he would have said, yeah." And he would have said. How how do I go about achieving that? Um, and they would have said, look, two ways. One is you can build capacity over 40 to 50 years. Uh, with, a huge cost. With economic growth and whatever. Yeah. Well, they, they would have, they would, there would have been a whole bunch of advice given to him as well. They would have said, look, you can allow private uh, private medical training. But that's the which thing. Which he's, he, he's rejected. So we know what the goal is. The goal is to build 100, whatever, 500 new hospitals so, and get 10,000 new specialists. What's the easy way to get that? To, de- to deregulate the medical. Yeah, the medical field. What does Aaron do? The commie bastard. Says, oh, that's terrible. There'll just be more profits made, and the people will suffer. <laughs> so the fuck you. I'm going to do well, it myself. Well, I'll just force them. If he goes into with, a system, if he goes with that option, the biggest problem is that what does government own in that system? Nothing. Uh, they don't own it. They don't control it. There's if he no if, billions if, to steal. If he regulates that, that basically the private sector is illegal, which is what this ultimately does the private sector as it exists currently is illegal um, then he gets to hijack a working private system included into the public system yeah. and he probably truly believes this will work um, I was told last week that apparently the anesthetic uh, the, the anesthetic association has uh, something like 450 specialists who have kind of said that they're out. If this, if any of this comes to fruition, they're gone. So that's 450 anesthesiologists disappeared. And I can tell you that 
Um, it's the same for everyone in every discipline. Oh, sure. I have, I know I counted when, when Aaron was making this announcement, I was thinking about it and there were, it's eight doctors I know who are leaving the country, um, either have left from about March of this year to December of the end of the year. That's just in my personal sort of friend circle, um, that are leaving. Uh, that's not, uh, that's a mix of race, Indian, black, white, um, Male, female, married, not married. Um, I know someone who's giving up a surgical speciality to leave and go to a Western country. Uh, I know someone who's very talented and intelligent who's, who's leaving after community service. Um, and, and is going to probably be a superstar, um, where they go. Uh, it's, it's, the flight is unbelievable currently. Yeah, and it hasn't even been, hasn't um, even started. And it's not even started. They're saying 2026 for all of this. That's actually yeah. the, the sort of start date. But, I mean, by then, I think the ANC won't be in power. Um, so. I think you're very optimistic. Really? Yeah. Don't you think 2024 is like the watershed no, election? I, I always thought 2028 was the watershed. Oh. And I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm less convinced now because I, I, I made that sort of prediction when Helen Ziller was, the head of the DA and, um, and it was shortly after she had taken over and, um, things just kept moving in the right kind of direction. The, the DA, and they weren't always liked from, by everyone and well, all of, of that. Not. Exactly. But, but they, they had direction. They understood where they were going. They understood what they stood for. And I don't think the, the, um, the, the DA understands at all what they stand for currently. No. Um, and uh, they they seem quite lost. I mean, Gareth von Onselen made another great point the other day about uh, Solim Simang is standing for. I think yeah, it's Solim Simang. Yeah, the federal he's, chair of Gauteng. He's standing for yeah. The head. He wants to be the premier candidate for Gauteng. And he made the point that this guy's just taken over in Pretoria as as like mayor of Pretoria, which yeah. is not a non prestigious role. Um, and now he's just dumping them. And why would you just? dump that role and dump the citizens you supposedly say you give so much of a shit about um, for the power grab to be Gauteng. And what he was pointing to also was the depth because the DA always says they have great depth of leadership. Um, okay, so where's your depth? Yeah, um, not, not at the top level. Well, they, I don't think they do have great depth because I still – the way the DA – um, creates leaders, what they think, because this is the thing, you don't create leaders and they still haven't learned that. Um, but you've got to go to DA school, right? Yeah, they do have this and uh, then, curriculum. And then, so Ramon, you could never, if you decided tomorrow you were a big voter all of a sudden and uh, you really believed in everything the DA stood for and uh, of course everything your wife has earned is because of a white privilege. Yes. If you just sign that on a document and also say that you're going to vote then they let you of course become a member. And um and you would and you said look I I think I've got a lot to offer and I've got these skills and so therefore I'd I'd like to run for a leadership position or I'd like to take on a certain role. They'd go no no no. No, sorry, Ramon. You haven't been to the school. <laughs> you haven't been indoctrinated you, enough. Exactly. You, you've got to go to the school. Because and you then, have these horrible ideas of that. What capitalism frees people? <laughs> no, 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 no. We can't have that. <laughs> we need to show you how the state frees people, Ramon. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I assume that's exactly, that's why I was so surprised when Gwen went straight to MP. 
like she was headhunted yes. as policy head and she says, no, fuck you, make me MP as well, then I'll join. And it's a lot more power for her. So kudos. I mean, she worked yeah. there way before. So, but it, that's so Gwen very is a, rare. Gwen is a rare example. And although I think Gwen did actually attend their school at some point. Right at the um, beginning, yeah. Be a youth leader um, thing for a year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but uh, the, uh, although Gwen's a very free thinker. Uh, so, and she absolutely deserves that position and she's a, Enigma in the DA in the sense that she yeah. really is a leader. I don't know if she's well liked for the moment, but we'll see. The, I had dinner with her a few weeks back mm. and, uh, she's such a free thinker, so to speak, that if you say taxation is theft, she gets apoplectic with rage. <laughs> no, it's not theft. I mean, you can have this whole argument with her about taxation being theft, but she, she doesn't convince me, of course, but anyone who's watching would be like, yeah, Gwen's right. Reminds me just being a moron, which happens all the time because I'm an anarchist. Your man, her position. I'm a free thinker. Well, no, no. It's a price you pay for civilization. People get left behind and taxes a price you pay for being a, a citizen of the country. It's a bit like Nicholas Taleb. I don't know if you saw that um, mm. post I put up in the Renegade I, I, Report group yesterday about having skin in yes, the game. Sorry, I did see. Being a citizen of the country, it's if you're immigrants, rather. If you go to a country and you just reside there without taking citizenship, you actually shouldn't deserve to be in that country because citizenship gives you the rights but obligations too. So, for example, it gives in America, if you're a citizen of America, you are taxed on your worldwide income. If you're an immigrant and you just become a resident and never become a citizen, there's no skin in the game for you. You shouldn't actually be in that country in the first place because you don't want to partake. As a citizen of the country, you just need mm. to basically leech off the system. I think the principle is fine. The example of worldwide tax, like I wouldn't fucking do that. I'll be a, I'll yeah. be a resident forever and, and not and, a citizen. And take the US as an example because that's in the news on immigration. Um, if you go there legally, then you do get a green card. Um, yeah. and, and a green card isn't citizenship, but it does allow you to work. And it also means you're registered with the IRS. Uh, so you end up paying tax even as a non-citizen, but as a resident of the right. country, essentially. Um, so I, I think a little bit of nuance to his argument, but I don't disagree necessarily with the, with the premise. I think, I think it makes good points. Uh, I think it does make good points. So I... For those who haven't read my review yet, I read uh, Adam Smith's mm, Kill, Kill the Boer. He gave it to me a few weeks ago and report asked me to, to, to write a review for it. And I must be honest, um, we are like quite pro the idea that farm murders are a problem. Yeah. Um, and very anti the idea that there's a white genocide. Yeah. Same as Samuel Adams. Um, in fact, in the book, he writes it quite clearly there. The white genocide, the reality is already fucked up we don't need to add layers of, of well this is of the point rhetoric on top or hyperbole Absolutely. To, to dismiss and we the damage reality. messaging which we'll sure. talk about just now by doing that but carry on and that's what he says in the book and i must admit i think the the book is one of those books where if you want to learn about a subject you have to read like that one you have to read that book like if you want to learn about atheism you read richard dawkins god does not exist now what does he call it the god delusion, uh, yeah, the god delusion. every atheist in the world read that first as a teenager, like, oh, fuck, boom, mind changed. Kill the boy is exactly the same for farm murders. It's it's really, really good. It's distressing, though. Not an easy read. Not for sensitive readers. But if you want to learn and understand the, the stats, understand the, the most important part, the zeitgeist, 
where you have this <clears throat> like the cultural milieu of whiteness and land settlers and man thieves and racist farmers and all this other stuff that's put into the narrative mm-hmm. that you know farmers are not actually victims of anything um very persuasive book i recommend that everyone gets it should be out by now yeah it's out it was launched over the weekend yeah, and I attended. I attended the media launch as a re- uh, sorry as Renegade Report. Yeah, come to the launch. No worries. Okay, fine. No worries. I'll come. And interesting at the media launch. So a lot of the English media were there, whereas they normally don't, wouldn't attend. And they were actually quite. Um, how can I explain? They did not believe him outright, but they were a lot less hostile than I expected. So, I mean, we'll see. Read the book. Let me know what you think. I think it's it's an interesting point I noticed one. about the Huffington Post. The Huffington Post um, did a uh, video last week yeah. about farm murders, yeah. which was in the free state very reasonable. It was superb and actually dealt with the problem in a completely open and truthful manner, um, without any spin, without any of the usual sort of identity politic or the leftist agenda of the Huffington Post. Yeah. Um, and then I started thinking if, if, if maybe the Huffington Post could be convinced to be a market entity. Like, like, is it, is there a part of them because they're people at the end of the day? <laughs> it's not just an organization yeah. that go, yeah, all right. This is something that uh, is actually truth, truthfully an issue. And we, we can still sell things by tapping into this market if we're honest about their problem. Sure. Um, it was a, I, I, I just thought for a moment, maybe they could just turn and be like a, a news organization, yeah. not a, not a blog. Well, <laughs> ironically, I think the Huffington Post documentary, it's only like seven or eight minutes. Long, yeah, sure. Is better than Lauren Southern's Farmlands. Yeah. And I haven't seen Farmlands. Okay. Um, I, I'll watch it at some point. It's, it's very well produced, um, but the, I mean, the poverty porn is outrageous. Uh, the white poverty porn, the preppers. Um, if I knew nothing about South Africa, I would think, oh shit. The whites are fucking, being fucked. Yeah. Yeah. But mm. living in South Africa, it's, it seems quite disingenuous. I think it's interesting to watch because it's actually a good the, documentary. The is, does she say, look, these are the whites in South Africa or does she make it clear that these are specific whites in South Africa? All the Afrikaners. She's talking about the Afrikaners. Yeah, you all see, the that's, time. even that's an unreliable, uh. But then, but she goes like to the Karoo to like a farm. Yeah. And she goes like to a squatter camp and she's like, I, I was just became aware of squatter camps for white people. I'm like, okay, they, they exist, I'm sure. But then like, go to Santon, just take a photo of people of all races and ethnics, ethnicities, like having coffee at Starbucks. Yeah. Cause that's also South Africa. Yeah. Not absolutely. just this stuff. Or uh, you want to talk about Afrikaners, go to Menland, go to Menland shopping mall yeah. and walk around there. Most of the people are probably go of to, Afrikaans descent. Go to the fucking Barnyard Theater. And they're, they're just okay. You know, go to the Barnyard Theater in East Rand Mall. Yeah. Well, I don't know if there's one there, but <laughs> I don't go to Barnyard or East Rand Mall. But I mean, uh, they exist. Stereotyping. I mean, they exist, but, but speak to farm workers for God's sake. Like the Huffington Post, video there was no narration and we couldn't see who was the interviewer all we saw were people talking to the camera yeah the farm workers are saying we feel threatened 
you know, my boss was killed five years ago and I'm still, I'm still in shock. Uh, you speak to relatives of people who were killed in the free state. It was a much more honest piece of film than Lauren Southern. Um, yeah, look, Lauren Southern selling a, a narrative. And that's yeah. what I realized with a lot of the people selling that narrative. Uh, there's some people who've, who've, who've actually made a, a, almost a business for themselves at the moment. Selling the South African white narrative, the South African genocide narrative, all of which I find, as I said, very unhelpful. Um, just on that whole messaging point, uh, I made a, I made a point on Twitter with regards to, um, Cape Town and, and not, not, not necessarily day zero, but with regards to, um, their dams. Uh, we had the same thing with, with Johannesburg. Uh, two years ago, I think it was, we I had a drought in Johannesburg. Um, I mocked Katie Katapoda so mercilessly about it that yeah, she Yeah, but she said it. it would take like six years to get yeah, the dams right. They said it would take five years to refill the Vol Dam. It took uh, three three months. Yeah. Um, they did the same thing for Cape Town. They turned around and they said it's going to take seven to ten years to recover from this drought. It looks like it'll take less than two. Now, that's still significant, and there was still a significant drought, and the drought caused significant suffering um, and economic losses and all those things. Here's the problem. The issue is, is that when you want to make a prediction, you want to tell someone there's a, there's a problem here. Why are they choosing the most? I'm sure like in, on the, on the graph that they have based on trends so that they can predict the future, they have a mean and perhaps a median depending on how the data is distributed. And, and then they have extremes on either side. Yeah. The problem is, is that instead of saying, look, it's probably going to take us two to three years to refill the dam and recover from this. They go, no, no, let's pick the most extreme number we can find on this graph. It's going to take us 10 years to refill this dam. Then when it doesn't take 10 they years. They don't just pick an arbitrary number, Jonathan. Surely they don't pick an arbitrary number. No, they no, say just based on what we have the, at the moment. The number, the number may very well be based on data they have. What I'm saying is that they always pick the most um, excruciating number and then the problem is when that doesn't come true as it almost inevitably won't because you pick the, the extremes and extremes don't happen often um, then people don't believe you you've cried wolf and this happens repeatedly and people so people who don't understand why sometimes uh, individuals won't buy a global warming or climate change the reason they might not do that is because in 2006 or whatever it was you said that the ice caps would be melted by by now, yeah. and they aren't, right? They've grown. So maybe, so maybe someone who believed you has now 10 years later turned around and gone, holy crap, they were lying, right? And your whole message is dissolved. It's, and this is happening across the board with expertise. Journalists do this all the time. Uh, they do Some it. expertise. Yeah, but, but let, let me use doctors as an example. Imagine yeah. if you went to a doctor and you were like, oh, doc, my knee's sore. And I was like, cancer. You got three Definitely months. cancer. You know, um, let's work out your day zero. Sorry about that. Um, you, oh, doc, I feel like I got flu. Ah, not flu, throat cancer. Definitely throat. The problem is, is if that happened, um, that doctor would very quickly lose all credibility. And if all doctors did that, the medical profession would lose all credibility and you wouldn't consider them experts because you'd feel better after three days. Your flu would disappear. You'd find out, shit, I don't have throat cancer. He said it was knee cancer before, throat cancer this time. Yeah. Oh, well. So what is your over – so, I mean, do you think people are using the worst-case scenario I think all the time I, I, without expressing yes, and I think it's nuance be, I about think, 
different this, possibilities. The so-called elites and the so-called government. I'm not one of these sort of globalization um, uh, conspiracy theorists, but it, it, you see it with everything, with Brexit, right? Instead of being honest about Brexit, yeah. and uh, they say the entire economy will collapse if we go Brexit. Yeah. Now, not only did the average person in the street go, I think that's probably unlikely, but now it didn't happen. No, um, but and, the reverse happened. And so the problem you have now is that the next time you want to sell a message, it's even harder. The same with Trump. But why are you moaning about our enemies selling the wrong message? Because it, it's, 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 not, it's, it's, not only, it's not only our enemies. It's the entire um, discussion. It's the entire public discourse is based on this uh, hysteria. Um, I look at America recently. America protects their borders. Um, this is not a controversial position. Yeah, I, I don't care what anyone says. We've got one crazy libertarian. He's going to go nuts because I call them that. Um, who listens to the show who doesn't believe in borders. But, but 30 years ago, if you had said, ask any American, even 20 years ago, ask any Barack American Obama in the in 2005. Streets, sure. Do you believe we should protect our borders and stop illegal immigration? The agreement rate was Basically, all close in the 90s, okay, most people believe that, that you should protect their borders. Yeah, but that doesn't okay? mean anything. That doesn't say anything about the, the argument at hand, though. E, hold on. Even today, the polling says that most people, even Democrats, believe that you should, there should be protection of the borders. Sure. Um, then, because you've got a guy in, in power who you don't like, now there's a freak out because you protect the borders and there's something that results as part of protecting the borders, which is correctly an, a, a shitty policy that needs to be changed. The separation of children. The separation the of, of kids. Yeah. Um, it's been a policy since when? Uh, well, it's, 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 it's quite, think. it's quite complicated because, um, there was a court case. There was a, there was, uh, originally they didn't separate the parents right. from the kids. And then there was a court case. I mean, we don't need to go into detail, but it's been there for much longer than Trump has been in power. So essentially the court case made it illegal to not separate the children. Right. Right. Which meant Barack Obama had to separate the kids. Mm -hmm. Trump had to separate the kids. And in fact, Trump's executive order solved the, solved the problem, but now. is currently illegal. Probably. So in other words, if you wanted to, to challenge Trump and be like, screw you, yeah. you could take his executive order and it would lose to the court. Well, that's his first, that's his first action as a dictator by signing an executive order that prohibits ICE from removing children from their parents. That's yeah. his first act of tyranny. <laughs> Never think about it. Well, he's violated the legislation. He's violated um, there we go. The, the law. Yeah, he's broken yeah, the law. He's breaking the law. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, the border thing is such a fucking mess, to be honest with you. I think, but the, the best thing now, Mexico has a socialist uh, president, mm. a brand new one. So I suspect Mexico will build the wall. <laughs> and pay for it. I mean, that's what socialists do, right? Yeah. They, well, you wouldn't want any of those, that crummy American stuff coming so into your now, country. now what Trump needs to do is be like, Mexicans, you are fleeing an oppressive regime. We will give you easy asylum because you're fleeing socialism. That would fuck everyone. <laughs> because because the new Mexican president said it's a human right to move to America as a Mexican. Yes, I know. Trump should, Trump should do it. I think he will get so much support. It's like Mexicans, you're fleeing oppression now that you've got a socialist president. Come over to America. We'll give you easy asylum. He's not going to do that. I know. I would do it though. Because he, he hasn't done shit about people in Venezuela, for example. Um, I would do it though. Uh, yeah, I know. But you like to just fuck with things for, for the for, for, the, for the, the sake of it. Just on this, on this border thing and, and just 
in general, it's also becoming a trend, yeah. um, is this idea that if you cry about something, you know, if, if you're really emotional, if, if you have tears, yeah. um, uh, then, then that matters more. That's a, that's an issue we should all take notice of. So, um, that's what people accused us of with that uh, waitress tip. White yeah. tears made us raise money for her. Yeah, except we never cried and we never broke down. And, and we never, saw never her. It was never an emotional issue. Yeah. Um, so that was their projection. But what I'm saying is, I'm talking about Rachel Maddow breaking out in tears when she reads uh, what? Uh, oh, Jose uh, from Guatemala. No, no, there was some childhood detention or, or, or toddler refuge, I don't know, some word she read and then she had to, hold on just for a second, and then she like turned off, off camera and, and, you know, got a fake tear on and Jimmy Kimmel holding up his no, kid but it, on, but it wasn't fake. On, on his show. But it wasn't fake, John, it was real. Yeah, sure. It was um, real. But there's no there's no cell phone footage of the drone strikes bombing Yemeni children. So, well, well, this is, and if there was... Well, that would if they would cry about that, if they, and that's fine. Would, and I think they should. Well, same as farm murders here, Johannesburg. I don't think they should cry about any of it. No, man. What I'm trying to say is, mm-hmm. uh, cash and transit heists. We see video cell phone footage of these fuckers with the AK-47s, twenty of them mm. blowing a cash van up. Mm. Have you ever seen a video cell phone footage of a farmer being murdered? Yeah. Imagine no. we were able to see that as frequently but, as we saw cash and transit heists. We, we would be we would be far more worried about farm murders, and that's the thing. It's the the essence of reporting is that we only report what we can see, and we react to what we can see only. So there's a good book, um, Paul Bloom against empathy. Um, yeah, which I haven't read, but which, I know of. Which argues essentially against empathy yeah. as 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 a very negative, great negative. And a good friend of mine um, argued that's why he was against our tip for the waitress. Sure, yeah. um, and I mean that, that the tip for the waitress just to, to oh we don't need to bring it up. I'm just saying people used Paul Bloom's argument against us. Yeah, fine. For that. And, and that and, and, and it, it, it sticks. And sure. the reason why it sticks is because he makes exactly that point about uh, you know, uh, for example, if you did have footage of them bombing the kids with drone strikes, then you'd be all empathetic towards these dying children from a, from a drone strike. Um, perhaps not thinking about the bigger picture. And he talks a lot about um, that empathy makes you focus in on a specific problem without considering the greater issues in the world. Yeah. Um, and this happens all the time, even with charities, for example. Uh, he, he, he talks about... Um, Oh, forget the term. So there's uh, different types of altruism. Um, the one is ma- makes you feel warm and fuzzy. Sure. You donate to multiple charities. You give them a little bit, and they can actually do very little with your money, or it even costs them to collect your money. Um, whereas if you took all that money and gave it to one charity, they'd actually be able to affect something. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's um, a movement called effective altruism. Yeah. Which does rank, rank charities rank and charities all that. Like yeah. that. But but. Um, yeah, empathy, and, and so I'm just raising the point that we just need to be careful about because people are crying, because they're shouting and screaming, um, because they can show us their suffering over another group of people that can't or aren't seen. Uh, you need to be really, really careful about, about that. I mean, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, if, if I see, for some reason, if I see like pets getting abused, I don't, I don't cry, but I get like angry and mm. whatever. Sure. Because I don't know, I think like dogs have more consciousness than humans for some reason. It's on some sort of level because 
They can't well, really they, control. They are sentient, but, but I don't know about more. But they, they, they can't control the destiny as much as a human being. Like if, for example, that woman from Guatemala walked across the whole of Guatemala, and the, her child was in the cover of the Time front page, mm, and mm. it was fake because they just put her down for like one minute and then picked her back up. Yeah. Um. Like, okay. Like she sort of knew the risks of doing that because she did it once already and was deported once already. So she sort of knew the risks. So I, I, my empathy was less for her than seeing a dog chained up uh, being abused because the dog can't control his destiny, if that makes sense. Yeah, although the argument there would be, well, where's your empathy for the kid? Because the kid's the same as the dog. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, the kid didn't really suffer in yeah. that regard. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm not I, – I mean, I think we disagree slightly on all we're dogs and humans for, but, but, but the point's the point's well made. Yeah. Um, and, that, and, that's, and that's the big problem with the Farmlands documentary. Yeah. Like it's just like white people everywhere in that documentary. And I'm not going to lie. I mean – People have it bad here. I'm not going to lie. People do have it bad, but give a bit of context. Um, give the stats about farm murders. Like, just say, like, these seem to be targeted unique murders. That's why they're different from the 19,000 other murders that, you know, in the year. Uh, you know, give that, but don't just show a woman crying for like half an hour. It's, mm. it tugs at your heartstrings, but it says nothing about the greater picture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe we can get to a couple of, uh, Questions we had because I just threw out a tweet before we started the show. Um, so how to best go about with uh, go about a tax revolt, um, and the answer to that is to emigrate. Well, just don't pay it. Uh, I think that's the first step, isn't n- it? No, it's not. Uh, oh, isn't it? I think uh, look for you that might work because you work for yourself, um, and yeah. so any income you make is in your bank account, and then you have to tell SARS what you made, and then you pay SARS, and if you don't pay it. Um, assumptively, they throw you in prison um, because tax is the, the taxation is theft, Gwen. Um, but but um, if if they uh, if enough of you, if there were enough of you, uh, then they wouldn't be able to throw you all in prison. The the problem is, is that the majority of people in this country uh, who are employed, because we have such a negative approach to entrepreneurship. Um, are employed by companies and employed even by government. Remember, they employ 3 million people. I mean, did you see that some of the most requested jobs are in the state? They Mm. had a survey at a university. Well, bartenders in parliament are earning 280,000 rand a year. No, but there was, um, in terms of where people wish to work, like the state, parastatals and state were the two highest Employ, employer, whatever. People wanted to work there the most. No, I'm, Jesus, that's, I'm not surprised, but it's really disheartening. Yeah. Like sometimes I wonder, 70% of the electorate vote for socialism, basically. Yeah. If you vote ANC, EFF, uh, a lot of the other smaller parties, like 70% of the country just wants socialism at the end of the day. So like, I'm not going anywhere for the moment, but just have that in the back of your mind all the time. Yeah. Uh, look, I don't know if they want socialism. I think, I think that they just don't realize no, but that's a soft bigotry thing with respect, Jonathan. I think most voters don't know anything about policy whatsoever. No. Don't get me wrong. But even socialists, when they, you know, you've got these democratic socialists in America and they're like, it's just, it's just, um, it's just, uh, healthcare like Denmark with democracy. And you're like, no, fuck bag. <laughs> Socialism is 
seizing the means of production. It's yeah. when government, if, if that's what you want, yeah. then that's, so, I, that's what I'm saying then when people don't necessarily it. understand yeah, it. Yeah, then own it. Um, I mean, Russell Lamberti has a new definition, which is technocratic socialism, mm. where you control the means so much, you may as well own it, but you don't give the uh, opponent um, the satisfaction of saying, oh, look, they own the means. No, yeah. They control it in such a way that you, it's basically... You regulate it so that yeah. it's, 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 it's under your control. And that's what the ANC is doing. Um, or has yeah. been doing. So tax revolts, uh, are, because you can't really, most people in this country can't get away from it. I don't think there'll ever be a true tax revolt. Because most people don't fucking pay tax. I think, I think, well, but that's also true. But I think currently we, we're having a tax revolt. The hundreds or thousands, and it's probably going to be by the next two, three years, tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people leaving the country who are intelligent, who have uh, got uh, degrees and uh, skills and all of those just things. Just say taxpayers. That's all inferred. They're leaving, and that's basically your tax I just want to raise a glass to Tom Moyani <laughs> for being 200 billion rand below or whatever, and all the tax evaders and tax avoidance. South Africa will be Venezuela if it weren't for you. So I salute you people. <laughs> I think you are saving us from being Venezuela in three years' time. So keep doing what you're doing, and more people should uh, should support the tax evaders and tax avoiders. And Tom Oyana should be reinstated. I agree with the EFF completely in that regard. <laughs> I'm not joking. Uh, I sound sarcastic, but I'm really not joking. Yeah, well, because if if SARS is inefficient, there's there's at least um, the economy will keep ticking, and there'll be less for the politicians to steal. Uh, to some that degree. being your your your, your point. Um, do you think? Uh, do you think um, that? Okay, here's a question. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, there was a question that was a little bit off, uh, so I'm not going to read it. But it, it referred to Judas Malema's junk, um, but. <laughs> But uh, the debate about proportional representative parliamentary systems, uh, which one would suit us best? Well, we've got a proportional one. Yeah. Which technically means no vote is wasted. So the DA's thing about if you vote for a small party, you waste your votes. That's not really true. Um, I quite like the constituency system, to be honest. Uh, but I would prefer the canton system of, of Switzerland if I had to choose one electoral um, system. Basically, you just vote within your district, and your district's autonomous from the next district. Um, that seems more fair to me. Yeah, I, I'd be actually be fine. I don't think we'd get to the Canton system, um, and I, given our maybe de facto, we will. Yeah, well, maybe uh, given our given the way our country is actually structured and set up currently, I think a representative system would work uh, much better. Um, so. Yeah, I, I, I do think. Um, I also. I just, I, I really wish we could break the sort of party control. And, and I suppose this, even in representative systems like the US, for example, um, the, there's still party control. But you do get, you do get individuals voting against their party. That actually does happen. And, and it's, it's, it's quite interesting to see in South Africa, for example, the DA always criticized the ANC when they were a much smaller party. They always criticized the ANC for always voting together as a bloc. Um, and they said that that was a show of their um, ideology, but also their weakness in that everyone had to think the same. Sure. Uh, and now, given the same opportunity, uh, the DA does exactly the same thing. When you go after stupid voters, you play stupid games and you lose stupid games. The DA still thinks they can govern. Their slogan is ready to govern. You're not going to fucking govern, dude, ever. You're not going to get 51%. Isn't that the EFF slogan? 
Ready to govern. Yeah. No, that's the DS slogan. What's the name? Ready? What's government in waiting, the EFF? Yeah, government in waiting. When? <laughs> 2055, perhaps. But who knows? Um, yeah, well, I, is that all the questions? Um, yeah, it seems. Well, it's not uh, people. People not engaging very well this this morning. Well, you only put it on like half an hour ago. No, no, no. Um, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> have we reached Have we reached that point, Ramon? Really? Uh, no, I had a lot to talk about, um, but I. Someone's Someone's asked about. Uh, we've discussed it already, but people immigrating and reasons. I mean, reasons really is because. <laughs> Because they fucking want to. It's, like, I yeah, don't care. it's because they want to, and they see better opportunity. And in many cases, they're correct. Uh, I think I, I think South Africa's got a lot to offer. I think it always has. Um, but the problem is, is that a lot of those things are are vanishing because mm. uh, if you if you if you were successful in South Africa, you lived quite a high quantity of life. I don't like quality of life because I think quality is very debatable. So um, you can. Not being able to walk in a street at night is uh, definitely a negative quality. Well, you can in Waterfall Estate. Um, in, yeah. the Rep- in the Republic of Waterfall, as it will be known in about 10 years' time. Um, or the Republic of Danefern. Sure, small small enclaves, as you like to call them. Yeah. Um, but generally in the country, you can't. Get us. Um, and uh, if you're actually successful in life, you don't want to live anywhere in those places. Um, so I'm talking about if you're actually successful, then you can't walk in the road. But... You do have quantities. You get a lot of stuff. Um, equal success. You in, used to. Yeah. So that's, so that's what's, more that's what's changing is the quantity has dropped. The quantity of what you get for you, for your success is decreasing. Yeah. Cause, I mean, I know people. And the in, risk is increasing. I know people in Southeast Asia, like one guy, chap lives in Indonesia and one chap lives in Thailand. They get the equivalent of about between eight to ten thousand dollars. So yeah, the equivalent in real terms is like eighty to hundred thousand rand salary, mm. which is a very good salary. Yeah, but over there, the 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 parity is just so much bigger. They got like on hundred thousand rand, he's got a chauffeur, chef, and like a, a housekeeper for his massive flat. Yeah, and he can walk in the street if he wants to, and he can he he, he, he he's like Dan Bilzerian in, in Indonesia with like. One mic, like not for one percent of the wealth, uh, so the money goes a lot further there. Yeah. Then here, it used to be like that here, but now it's you know it's become a lot more expensive to have that same quality of life. I think I think it's interesting though because, for example, uh, um, Australia, you can't have uh, that quality of life either. Even if you earn quite a fair amount of money, um, even the wealthy in in a place like Australia, except I'm not talking about the super rich, but the relatively wealthy. Yeah. Um, they don't have chefs and they don't have uh, maids and they don't have that. No. They might have someone once a week or twice a week. But what my point is, is that, is that in return for not having that stuff, the reason they can't have that is because the average person who offers those services actually charges quite a bit for those services. So they're not cheap. Um, but everyone gets to engage in the economy in, in, in that uh, system. Yeah. Um, in South Africa, we have diminishing what you can get for your money, um, same as Australia, except – for the fact that nobody's getting raised up by that. That money's all being sucked into the black hole that is the government. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, and that's, that's yeah, there's the reason I why mean, people, people realize that, you know, the ANT's been using South African economy as a piggy bank for the past 25 years. And will continue to and do so. And doesn't intend to stop. No, and will continue to do so. I mean, if I was, you know, it's like the CEO literally taking everyone's pension money 
every month and stashing it into his offshore bank account. That's exactly the same sort of thing that they are doing. And until you realize that it's a mafia and not a political party, we call it politics and we call it all this, you know, all this euphemistic stuff to make it seem legitimate, but it is illegitimate. It's a mafia, uh, of which 25% of all South Africans voted for. Only 43% of all electorate of yeah. the people who could vote voted for. They don't have a popular mandate for any of this stuff. So, to, you know, to assume that they're legitimate, a legitimate government authority in any single way is uh, very mistaken, I'm afraid to say. And at this stage, I've been thinking this for quite a few years, but if you vote ANC, like, it's like sort of treasonous or, you know, an enemy of the people at this stage and, if you point your vote for them, well, you deserve everything you get, which will be nothing, essentially. And, look, I stopped feeling sorry for people long, long, long time ago, I must be honest, because, they, you know, they're holding us is to there, ransom. Is there, is there anything they, to be said of, um, and without straying into the soft bigotry of low expectations, but you've got a government who has, some would say by incompetence and some would say by design, um, poorly educated a populace. Mm. And continues to poorly educate a populace, even though it's been po- pointed out to them that this populace is being poorly educated. Yeah. Um, and so the people who say it's by design are saying, look, they're educating, they're educating for stupid, um, so that you, they carry on getting the vote. Yeah. Um, it's by design, but through incompetence. So, I mean, where did the power come from? Uh, being in power with Satu. Cyril went to Satu first. Sure. But so do you feel sorry for those people then? Would you, would you because would you believe that there's someone who finishes school, turns eighteen, and still votes for the ANC because they don't know any better? They really don't have the skills um, to sure. to be able to know better. No, they don't know any better, and that's and you know that's fine. I can't change that, but uh, I, I don't want to be held hostage by by them or their ignorance or their mm. their lack of sure. of savviness or whatever the case might be. I you know, the adults they have full responsibility for their actions and I'll judge them based on their actions. Um it's it's yeah, it's the time has yeah. passed where we where we stop blaming the victim. Well I also well that's a good point. I, I, I also find this almost like a game that's that, that it just repeats it's like we keep restarting the board game and the board game is the government does something heinous um the journalists then report on the heinous thing yeah um first the government denies they did the heinous thing um then the the journalists report on it report on it sometimes there's a bit of investigation it comes out blows up oh they did the heinous thing Journalists pat themselves on the back. There's awards given and shit like that. Um, <laughs> this repeats again and again. Yeah. Arms deal, uh, yeah. Kandler, then there's, uh, then there's, uh, then there's SARS, internal uh, investigations. Yeah. There's commission of so, inquiry. So then there's a commission of inquiry yeah. and the journalists go to the commission of inquiry and they write these extensive articles. Oh my word, the judge said this. Yeah. And, and we have like this controversy for weeks and people are like, things really are working. You yeah. know, there's justice being served. And then, Nothing fucking happens, like nothing, uh, the, until you realize it's all part of the same machine. And and then yeah, and then it is the same and then machine. and then we move on to the next big thing. We board game. We start yeah. the board game again, and we go oh, uh, and who knows what the next one will be? Um, there'll be something else after SARS, like there was something else after Essie Like there was something else after Encandler, Like there was something else after 
whatever else came before that and the arms deal all the way back when. There's just a million of these things. And, I mean, my biggest issue with all of it is the lack of accountability. It it drives me insane. But there's no incentive to be accountable, Jonathan, because we've got a one-party state. There's no incentive whatsoever to be accountable. Um, the media's not accountable. The politicians are not accountable. Government officials are probably the least accountable people here. You've got Mark Allen Bertie, uh, CEO of Imperial Holdings, yeah. who has a meeting with a former CEO, a former CEO with an accountant. And he says, you know, and she wants the CFO job. And uh, he says, I would love nothing more than an equity candidate to be CFO, but you're not yet qualified as yet. She takes him to court and wins 23 million rand in defamation. Yeah. And that's how far the transformation narrative is. The ANC transformation narrative is a virus of the mind that has permeated throughout the entire chattering class of society. And, and above, because for a judge to rule on that, the judge is not, theoretically not the chattering class. So, so we're gonna, so here's this deal. We're gonna make quotas by law and force you to use them. But if you refer to anyone as a quota, it's defamation. Yeah, I mean, what fucking Orwellian nightmare are we in, Jonathan? Yeah, no, I, I, we're going to set the rules for you by force, and if you acknowledge that the rules are there, <laughs> fuck you. We're going to take you to court for defamation. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. What is this? Yeah. And until the ANC lose power, as Leon Schreiber said a few weeks ago, yeah. until we have coalitions or until we break a one-party state, this bullshit is going to continue forever and ever and ever. And all all the, the oppressive legislation, all the scandals, everything's going to be justified because transformation is what we actually want. And transformation can mean everything to everyone because the lefties love not having definitions. Or they just shift the goalposts whenever it chooses them. And they, and the media and everyone else is rather complicit in all this. So, yeah, fuck everyone. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I think that's completely fair. Just on that last point about um, the left. Did you Have you watched any of the recent stuff um, Dave Rubin did with uh, Eric Weinstein and Jordan Peterson? It's Weinstein. Um, I watched half of it. Yeah, Weinstein's Harvey, the rapist. Weinstein is the the intellectual dark web people. <laughs> Big difference. Um, um, yeah, whatever. Um, same Jewish tribe. Um, so, so, I, I just a point. Eric Weinstein was very um, good, and he's clearly a very smart guy. Um, he pushes back a little bit against Jordan. So, if you're not a Jordan fan, you might want to watch that. Um, specifically the one where it's just Jordan and Eric, uh, yeah. as opposed to the one where Ben joins in and the conversation's a, a bit broader. Um, although it is an interesting conversation in that Eric is a leftist. Um, That's what he says. So, so, well, yeah, so he falls, uh, it's interesting where he falls on, on things. And I suppose, as we always say, that scale's quite hard to interpret these days. Uh, but I, I think, uh, and, I've said it before that um, Eric's the real problem. <laughs> he's he's Eric and Brett and and uh, those those guys um, are the real problem we're going to have to contend with when um, the SJWs are uh, consigned to the trash heap of history, um, because they're far smarter in their uh, motivation for taxation, for example. They're far smarter in their motivation for why we should use gendered pronouns. 
um, and why we should. I mean, Eric proposes uh, changing the entire English language. And he gives quite a, a convincing uh, argument. Yeah, but I don't think, they, I don't think they, they want to use coercion to do it, though. There's a big um, difference. Well, well Eric, uh, it's funny because Eric uh, tried to turn around and, in that thing and say, we should use the intellectual dark web to enforce a way of thinking. And I sort of jumped uh, back at that and went, you yeah. want to do what? That's kind of counterintuitive to the entire notion. Mm. Um, so... I worry that they may not want to use the state force, um, but they may want to use some sort of coercive force. Um, um, because for me, a leftist is a leftist is a leftist. And we're going to have this. No, we're there's, have, there's different types. There's different types. The, my favorite are the radical Marxists, which sort of acknowledge that capitalism is no alternative whatsoever currently because capitalism absorbs Every single anti-capitalist message commodifies it and sells it back to you. That's well, the beauty of it. Did you see that chick who won the, 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 the this, this Cortez chick? Oh, who, the socialist. Who won, yeah, who won. She's going to basically be a congresswoman because she beat a guy in a, in a district. But I love her platform. Free healthcare for everyone, safety for everyone, open borders for everyone, well, money her, for her, everyone. Her platform is a, okay. her platform's a South African platform. Free housing, free healthcare, yeah. uh, free, um, job, uh, guaranteed government job. Yeah. That's a, it's a South African platform. Um, in fact, our constitution even sort of says it um, with regards to free housing. Um, but what I did find funny was she was wearing a lipstick that people were commenting on, bright red lipstick. So she eventually came out and said, no, no, I've heard a lot of you asking me about my lipstick. It's uh, it's this brand from such and such a place. And they sold out of the lipstick in like five hours. There you go. You can commodify <laughs> Cap- socialism. Capitalism man. for the win, man. That's why, that's why Rage Against the Machine, the most mark, one of the most Marxist punk bands ever are massively rich. Um, and that's why they sell anarchy stickers at fucking typo or whatever yeah, it's called. Well. Um, that's a bit of capitalism. You, if someone like Malema, the, be- the most intelligent leftists I know say the market works and we get that. We just need to, t- Tinker with it to get more equity and fairness in the system. Okay, cool. That is a good starting point. But if your starting point is capitalism is evil and rubbish and destroy and destructive, there's no hope in hell you. My can point win. is both both of them end up in the same spot ultimately. No, you can. No, I don't. In what way? Well, the tinkering leads to destruction. The the the, the tinkering. The, the guy who says we need to we need to destroy it all and the government must control everything is the guy on the very far left. And the guy more to the center of, of the left sort of says, no, we just want to tinker with it a little bit. That tinkering ultimately always leads to more and more tinkering. Uh, yes. And yes. That's, well, that's my problem. And, that's the notion of and, statism. And, and, and if you leave them long enough, they'll tinker a little bit and you'll go, ah, don't like it, but I'll let it go. Yeah. But, but um, I don't think, I don't think and long is, enough that becomes the far left. But I don't think there is such a thing as a, a pure market in, in the state of society anyway. So all the, all, all successive governments do is just tinker in different ways. Uh, and they, they tinker it and then they untinker it, the next government. Mm-hmm. Then the next one comes in, they tinker something and then they untinker it. All Trump does is like do away with regulations set by previous administrations. Like that's all he's done. And that makes him a Nazi. Shall we end the show? Well, we have to. Someone else needs a studio. Cool. Right. Well, thank you for listening. This was impromptu and off the cuff. We actually quite quite good at this. I had no idea what to talk about. Um, Other than at one point where we were just like, now what? Other than that. At least be honest about it. We're not going to edit it out (laughs) like some people we know. Yeah. 
So thank you for listening. As Ramon Sam, said, Sam and, Harris. I know you edited your and uh, Sam. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, thank you for listening. If you do enjoy the podcast, you're welcome to support us on Patreon. That is how we earn our funding. Unlike other shows, we are not funded by the Coke Brothers. Um, although, if you are listening, we would love your money. Uh, and you can always find us on Facebook, Renegade Report, both the page and the group, where we have good discussions. Uh, Twitter, at Renegade underscore report. Ramon, at Roman Kabernack. Myself, at Jonathan underscore wit. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Cheers. This is cliffcentral.com.